So at Regen, here's what we're really, what has our attention is helping people live into not only the words of Jesus and the ways of Jesus, but also the works of Jesus. Words, ways, works. And that is shorthand for what it means to be a disciple or an apprentice or learner of Jesus, somebody that is becoming like him in every way. And, and, and a necessary part of discipleship is identifying kind of the role God has given you to play in the kingdom and then stepping into that role. And so that's why um, we're doing this series called Speaking the Truth in Love, because it has a lot to do with how do we address one another as the people of Jesus? How do we engage in relationship with one another? And last week, we tried to kind of set a cultural foundation for that. And then this week, Aaron, if you want to come get yourself situated, it's up to you. Um, Aaron is kind of going to give us some practicals on that. And this, Aaron is preaching today, and it is his fault. Because a few months ago, Aaron said to me, do you feel like we have a culture in our church for speaking the truth in love? And, and we I said, and, what does that mean? And we said, what does that mean? So we started having a lot of conversations about that. And um, I said, I'll preach the first one. You'll preach the second one. Steph preached the message at last campus, at Grace Campus, which was fire. Um, so no pressure. But part of the reason I also kind of want to put Aaron up here is because the reality of Aaron's life is that after a lifetime of kind of being around church and Christian things, he's only really been actively following Jesus for less than five years. And, um, and so with, you know, most of us think we have to wait till we're 40 to preach the first sermon. And God is no respecter of spiritual maturity in terms of timeline. Okay. And so I wanted to kind of give Aaron a platform to kind of share some of his experiences, especially in this area. So I'm going to pray for you. And then that's going to be it. So, um, God, thanks for Aaron and for just his friendship and for him being a part of our family on mission and just that you brought him here to Regen. I'm thankful for his insight and his um, passion for the gospel, how he calls your people to be more faithful uh, to the kingdom. Um, God, I pray this morning that you would pour truth out through his personality to your people. That's what preaching is. So God, I pray that we would hear what he has to say. We would hear you wherever the word is explained. Uh, God's voice is heard. So may we hear you together today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so uh, between leading worship and preaching, I don't know which one scares me more, but I have now done both in like the same month for the first time. So um, yes, just continue praying for me. Uh, last week we started a series out of Ephesians 4 that we called Speaking the Truth in Love. Kyle kind of um, gave us some insight on what that looks for, like for us both individually and as a church. Um, and this week I'm going to try and kind of paint a picture for us on how to live into that. Um, so we're going to be in Ephesians 4 if you want to go ahead. If you have a Bible and you want to get it out, I brought mine up here because it was the preacher thing to do, but it's actually the wrong translation. So I'm just going to leave it there. Um, a couple years ago, REI had this, like, part of their marketing campaign was the slogan, Every Trail Connects. Um, and it's one of those, like, bumper sticker phrases where we're like, yeah, cool, man. But if you actually stop and think about it, it's not true. Um, it's kind of like when people say, like, there is no truth. And we're like, oh, that's so cool. But is that true? Um, so I love hiking. I love backpacking. And when I lived in Cincinnati, we were really close to a part of the Daniel Boone National Forest called the Red River Gorge, um, which is this beautiful park. Yeah, Joey's been there. Um, 
where there's all of these like rock features and cliffs. And um, so I was there with some friends, we're on a camping trip and it's the last day we've packed up the car. Sid, can you pull me down like 10% in the monitors? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm okay. So we're on this camping trip and it's our last day, we've packed up the car, but someone had told us about this giant arch, which is literally like, there's like a, a giant rock that has been carved out by the wind and so there's this huge land bridge in the sky. Um, and I thought that I remembered seeing on a map that it was like a two mile hike in and then it looped around and we were right back at the trailhead. So we go, we have our car packed up, we're done for the weekend, we're gonna head home after this. Um, and we head off on this trail taking like, I think I had a water bottle, maybe, uh, but we didn't have a map, because again, like I'm super sure like it's a loop. So we go ahead, uh, we hike in, it is, it's like two miles in, it's pretty easy. Um, we get to this giant rock thing, we look at it, and we're like, yeah, that's cool. Uh, selfie sticks were like the thing then, so got some really good pics. Um, and then it's time to go. So I'm like, all right, everybody, come on, just continue along this trail. Um, and so we did, people listened to me. First mistake. Um, the safer thing probably would have been to just go back the same way that we came, uh, but we didn't do that. So we're along this trail and at first there's nothing to say that we're like going the wrong way because the woods all kind of looks the same, right? It's like trees and rocks and like a path. Um, but pretty soon I start to realize, I'm thinking like, all right, if this is actually a loop, shouldn't there be people coming the other way? And we haven't seen anybody for like a little while now. And then eventually like the trail markers, like I'm not so sure they were the same color. Like I can't really remember. I think they were blue at the beginning, but now they're more like green. Um, and then eventually we get to this part where it looks like there's been a forest fire. And um, I don't remember that on the way in. And we have no map. Um, but fortunately, at some point, well, kind of fortunately, at some point we get to the top of a cliff where we have cell phone service, because we're like, this is deep woods, Kentucky. Um, and someone pulls out a map. And um, it's in this moment when I realize, like, we are here, the arch was here, and where the trail starts is down here. Um, and so, not only were we not on a path that connected, we were like a couple miles onto the Appalachian Trail, um, which is hundreds of miles long. So, um, everybody was pretty mad at me. But uh, we made it back, you know. All of this to say, what we believe affects our decisions and what we believe is going to affect the way that we act. I thought this trail was a loop. As we went along the trail, I started to believe that less, but I was still trying to convince myself that this trail is a loop. Um, but it wasn't. Our culture would love for us to believe that there is no such thing as truth. If you're aware of the culture around us or the prevailing mindsets of today, you've heard people say things like, I'm just speaking my truth, as if truth is unique to each one of us. Oprah, we all love Oprah. She's famous for saying, live your own truth. This is not the way of the kingdom. Jesus tells us that only he is the truth. He does not take a popularity poll. He does not browse through his Facebook feed. 
He has never and he will never stray from who he has revealed himself to be. Truth is absolute and unchanging. This is because truth is a person who in his nature is absolute and unchanging. His name is Jesus. This is important to know because if we're talking about speaking the truth in love, if we're talking about the language of the kingdom, as Kyle called it last week, we cannot speak the truth in love without first knowing truth. I've never talked this much in my life, and it's really like my mouth is so dry. Jesus is truth. He's revealed himself through his word, and he's intended to reveal himself through his church. Jesus longs to reveal himself to us through his church. We're gonna talk more about what that looks like in a minute, but I want us to look at the text. We are in Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. I actually don't have this translation. I need to read it off the screen. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, and as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I really like the Passion Translation version of this. Joey lent me his Passion Translation Bibles, and I'm all about it, so I want to read that. It says, 14, and then our immaturity will end, and we will not be easily shaken by trouble nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies, Oprah. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. Note Paul says the truth, not your own personal truth, not what's hip or what's in style, but your the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him the anointed head of his body, the church. For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And these gifts operate effectively through the whole body. We are built up and made perfect in love. Jesus longs to reveal himself to us through the church. Having a church with members that are equipped to build each other up and hold each other accountable was not our idea, it was his. In my story, I was headed down a literal path of destruction and taking others with me. Fortunately, I was not alone. Fortunately, there was someone there who had the ability to find a map on their phone and say, hey, where you think you're going is actually not where you're going. And fortunately, Despite my arrogance, it is hard to argue with a map when there's a blinking blue light and a picture of where you think you are and they're very far apart. In our walk with God, we need both truth and community to point us back to Jesus, who is truth. It was his idea. I was walking, in this case, literally, although most of the time, I feel like it's figurative, in complete delusion. If we read on to verse 17, it says, so with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say, 
you should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God. Their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keep them from the true knowledge of God. Because of spiritual apathy, they surrender their lives to lewdness, impurity, and sexual obsession. But this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. If you have really experienced the anointed one and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. What we believe affects what we do. Amen. As a community, speaking the truth in love means reminding people of who they are. Speaking the truth in love ascribes value and assigns identity. Community is important because sometimes we forget who we are. And some of us don't even know yet. Sometimes we get confused, we take on guilt, we take on shame. We're told that what we have done defines who we are. This matters because as I said earlier, what you believe and what you believe about yourself will affect how you act. If you believe your body is a trash can, you will fill it with garbage. If you believe you are not worthy of friendship, you will avoid those who offer it to you. If you believe that you are not capable of doing the amazing things that Jesus has called you to, you will never try. If you believe that your purity and sexuality and your body are not worth keeping sacred, you will give those things away to anyone who asks. I spent a year in California in a uh, ministry school, uh, so I was a com- in a community of other Christians. Um, but more importantly, I spent a year of my life living with people who every single day that I was there Um, spoke truth to me about who I was. They reminded me who I was. Some of this was words and some of this was actions. Um, But every single day that I was there, I grew in the knowledge of who I was and what my worth was. The problem with that is that when I moved to California, I was in um, a really, really unhealthy relationship. I have called it emotionally abusive before. I think that's pretty fair. Um, I would try and talk to the girl that I was dating about something that she had done that would hurt me. Um, And she kind of just told me like it shouldn't bother me. Um, There's a pretty significant time distance between Cincinnati and California. So we would schedule our Skype dates and our phone calls um, And she would either frequently forget about them or be busy doing something else, which doesn't make you feel super valued. Um, She would say things and just point out things about me that made me feel um, kind of less than or like a failure. And when she wasn't telling me the things that she thought I should be doing better, she would tell me about the things that her parents thought I should be doing better. Fortunately, I was surrounded um, with amazing people who both knew the truth of who I was and loved me enough to tell me. As time went on, uh, the people in my life reminded me and sometimes for the first time revealed to me who I actually was according to Jesus. They would not only tell me, but they would show me, even when I still didn't believe it. 
I felt loved and I felt known and I felt chosen. And as I grew in the relationship, or as I grew in the revelation of who Jesus was and who I was, it became really clear that I was being treated in a way that did not reflect that. It was like the blinky blue light and the map. It didn't didn't work. Um, My great friend Jerome, who was here last week, was one of those people. Community is important because sometimes we forget who we are. The junk in our lives is so easy to see. But as Christians, speaking the truth in love means seeing past the dirt in people's lives to see who they really are. Speaking the truth in love means that we address people not according to who they think they are, but who Jesus is. Speaking the truth in love means we address people not according to who they think they are, but who Jesus is. We look for the gold amidst the dirt and the rocks, and we call that to attention. Some of us have forgotten these truths. Some of us don't know them yet. This is why Paul writes in verse 23 and 24, I don't think it's on the screen. Now it is time to be made new by every revelation that has been given to you, and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within you, as your new life, and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness, and you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. Sometimes we forget the truth of the gospel, the truth that we have not only been forgiven, but that we have been recreated. This verse says that as we embrace the truth, of the glorious Christ within, we will be transformed. Speaking the truth in love means we invite people into mere moments. If I have a clear revelation of who Jesus is, I have a clear revelation of who I am. When we know and really believe that we have been recreated all over again in perfect righteousness, it will become obvious the ways in which we are not living according to this truth. We will know we believe it because what we believe affects what we do. What does inviting others into a mirror moment look like? That is a really great question. I wanna be super clear, this message is not a license to tell it like it is or run around judging people. If your idea of speaking the truth in love does not result in people feeling loved, you are doing it wrong. If your idea of speaking the truth in love does not point people to Jesus, you are doing it wrong. Very practically, inviting others into a mere moment often looks like saying things like, I'm wondering if that's God's best for you, or how does what you're doing line up with who God says you are? Or maybe someone just needs reminded of the truth that the king of the universe died to be in relationship with them. When we are truly living in community, we are constantly reminding each other of who we are. It is hard to forget. As the church, this is what we are called to do. We are called to unity. What keeps us from speaking the truth in love? I'm going to list three things, and then we're gonna come back and talk about them. Number one, we don't know the truth. Number two is what I am calling the you-do-you mentality. Number three, we aren't actually living as one body. 
Number one, we don't know the truth. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. So do we. Do we know the Bible? The primary way that Jesus reveals himself to us is through the book. Are we reading it? If you're not, this is like the easiest problem to solve. Read the book. There's an app, the Read Scripture app from the Bible Project. I know Kyle's talked about it. Super good. Dig it. Great place to start. Number two, the you-do-you mentality. Maybe we have sacrificed the truth for something that sounds really smart, but is actually the philosophical equivalent to every trail connects. Or maybe we're either afraid of confronting someone or we don't care enough about them to do it. You do you is always easier. We do not get to control how people will react. We listen to the Holy Spirit, we pray, we try to come in fully truth and fully love but we do not get to control how someone is going to react. That does not change the assignment that we were given, though. Um, What I didn't tell you earlier, one of my neighbors in California came to me and just straight up told me, she was like, you should not be dating that girl. She is bad for you. She treats you in a way that is just absolutely garbage, and you deserve better than that. Um, And that was really hard for her to do. She was literally crying when she told me this. And I was just like, I didn't know how to receive it. Um, And I avoided her for like a month. Because in my mind, I was like, I'm fighting for this relationship and you have put yourself in between those. And that's my bad. Um, There was a part of my life, that part of my life, that relationship I was trying to keep private, I was trying to keep that separate from everything else because I knew the truth, I just didn't want to believe it. One part of the body cannot say to another, you do you, which brings us to number three. We are not actually living as one body. We should not be able to surprise each other with immaturity or sin. Um, At my previous church, one of our regular habits This is gonna sound weird, it's not. It is, but it's not. Uh, We would just regularly like make time to confess things to each other. It sounds weird, but the way it was modeled was actually like really beautiful and really redemptive. Um, The Bible says that if we confess our sins to each other, they will be forgiven. So we just kind of took that at its word. And I remember one time I confessed something to like one of, listen, God has put some really amazing people in my life. One of those people is a man named Tate Paul um, who like watched me walk through all kinds of the disaster of what my life was at that point. Um, I confessed something to him at one point and he was legitimately like surprised and shocked. He was like, wow, that's not who I know you to be. If we have secret sin, that means that there is some area of our life that is off access to the rest of the body. If we believe what Paul is arguing in Ephesians when he says we are all members of one body, then this is unnatural. If we're wondering why an area of our life isn't seeing maturity or breakthrough, is it possible that it's because we're trying to let it live while cutting it off? This is why Paul writes later in the fifth chapter of Ephesians, everything exposed by light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated 
becomes a light. When we are truly living in community, when we are constantly reminding each other of who we are, it's hard to forget. This is what it means to be the people of Jesus. We know the unchanging truth. We love each other and we remind each other of the truth that Jesus presents us with. And through speaking the truth in love, we grow in every way to be the mature body that he has intended for us to be. Speaking the truth in love was not our idea, it was Jesus's. He wants to reveal himself to us through the church. Let's pray. Jesus, we are super humbled and we are super grateful that you desire to co-labor with us to build your church. Jesus, I ask that you would help us to walk in your truth and walk in your love. I'm so thankful for this incredible community of people who um, are eager to be your church. We are eager to make your truth our operating system. As we take this journey of um, kind of making the culture of your kingdom, the culture of our church, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would speak to us, that you would prompt us and correct us and comfort us and ultimately lead us to your truth. Lead us and help us lead those around us as you have called us to do. Amen.